There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Tuned into the Power Chord Hour right here on 1079 WRFA and tuned into the Power Chord Hour podcast. Hope you are doing well out there. I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with another episode with you. And we have a returning guest on this episode, Mr. Mark McMillan. Insane. We've not had him on since uh 2019. And a lot has happened since 2019. So it feels it feels like forever ago, but then again, I guess it was like three years. And uh, you might know Mark, he's the front man of The Story Changes. He is guitarist, unclean vocalist in Hawthorne Heights. He does it all, and uh, The Story Changes just put out a great new EP called Fall Asleep and Turn to Dust. And uh, on top of that, I mean, Hawthorne Heights staying busy on the road, so Mark has a lot going on. We got a lot to talk to Mark, or talk with Mark about. So Mark, man, how are you? I'm good. How have you been? I feel like I haven't seen you in what feels like a decade because of the (laughs) pandemic and stuff, so... I'm used to trying, seeing like every year on tour or something, you know? I know you're not joking. I was trying to think about it. And uh, I mean, last time we talked, I was living in Minneapolis and that was the last time we interviewed. And then I think like a month later would have been the last time I saw you in person. You guys played uh, St. Paul, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for an anniversary for uh, Silence in Black and White, I want to say, because yeah. I, I do think you played the record front to back. And uh, I remember I remember we all dissected uh Sivs can't wait one minute more for like 30 minutes after the show. That's the that's the takeaway of that that I recall. The last time I saw you, we talked a lot about the band Siv. Yeah. That was the very end of that tour, too. So our brains were all just scrambled. And uh you were a, a very much welcomed face to see at the end of the tour, like a familiar face. And uh it was just fun. I just remember it us just talking about that at the end of the night. Like <laughs> Just just like in that mode of like, I could sit there and talk about this all night. Like my brain's just after being on the road for a month, it was just ready to go home. But uh, but you were you were a welcomed uh, familiar face to hang out backstage and kind of uh, just uh, goof off, you know, so it was cool. Uh, it, it's always fun. I mean, you dudes are some of the uh, best to talk to because it always seems to be the oddest conversation it, it always it always seems to go in the weirdest realms of music so i always uh always look forward to seeing you guys uh in person but yeah you're right i mean i normally i normally see you at least like once a year and yeah. uh, obviously has not happened yet has uh i mean though besides i mean shows are kind of starting to come back i mean for uh you know both hawthorne and the story changes i mean have you gotten to play much shows this year yet i know we're like halfway through now yeah you know the pandemic hit and we we like everyone else didn't know how long it was going to last. And we were like, Oh, our tours, we were supposed to go out with Bayside and senses fail. And we were like, Oh, our tours four months and away, four months away. We'll be totally fine. And then it kept creeping up. And I'm like, I think we're going to have to like postpone this tour. Uh, and that tour finally happened. It was over a year later, the following year, which was last year. Um, and that was our, that was like my first like shows touring anything back was the Bayside tour. Um, Story hadn't done anything at that point, but we went out. Um, it was Hawthorne. It was Bayside, Census Fail Hawthorne, and the Bomb Pops. Uh, it was a really fun tour, but it was kind of right when everyone was first starting to go back out and everything was really locked down. And um, it was uh, it was cool, but it was a much different experience than now 
everyone's still careful, but like touring feels halfway normal again now. So we, we did that. Um, and then we did, <clears throat> excuse me, some of our own shows. We did some drive-in theater type show stuff that was cool. Um, a lot of live stream stuff, which doesn't really count as far as like people there, but, um, but that was fun. And then, um, the story changes played our annual hometown holiday show last year. And that was kind of our first show back since the pandemic. And that was a lot of fun. And this year story hasn't had a chance to do anything. Cause Hawthorne's been really cranked up. Um, we did, we started the year we went out with falling on reverse, um, which was kind of a different thing for us, but it was a really good tour, super fun. Um, and we've done quite a bit of festivals and kind of like random one-off things, but we're gearing up now for, we're launching our own festivals. We're doing a series of festivals called is for lovers. Uh, and this year being the inaugural year, we're just doing three to kind of get it going. Uh, we're doing Ohio's for lovers in Cincinnati and we're doing Kansas for lovers in Wichita and then uh, Denver's for lovers in Colorado. So we're, we're getting ready to um, the first round of those are Kansas and uh, Colorado and just two weeks away. So we're gearing up for that. Yeah. So um, that's been an undertaking because, you know, we, we want to make sure it's really cool and we're taking in all the things that, um, that we love about playing festivals and all the things we remember as a band about like the festivals we want to go back to. And then we're also taking in like, things we've learned over the years as a fan that we like when we go to a festival. So we're really trying to um, create a unique experience and put a lot of um, time and our own money into making it super cool. So it's been a lot, but um, that, that starts in a couple weeks and then we're touring with story of the year between those festivals and the Ohio's for lovers festival, which is like two or three weeks later. Um, also, I should throw out real quick too. Sorry to interrupt you. If you're listening in Jamestown, that story of the year show is hidden. Uh, I know you guys are hitting Buffalo. It'd be yeah. next month, September. So go check tour dates. I don't have it in front of me, but you dudes are playing right up the road. If you're listening to the radio show right now. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, we love story of the year. They put on such a killer show live and uh, great dudes. Those, those dudes always make us feel old because they're up there doing backflips and doing all sorts <laughs> of things. Um, but uh, it's going to be awesome. But um, so that that's all coming up and that's really you know the bulk of our touring so far through covid um a lot you've been you've been busy this year like yeah yeah it's really stepped up um and that was part of the reason with the story changes ep we were we were really didn't want to i didn't want to put it out till we had time to to do some shows on it not necessarily tour but at least do um some shows on it and do some live streams and stuff but um we've just had, we've had those songs recorded for quite a bit of time now. And Hawthorne's been so busy through the pandemic that there hasn't been a good time to release the story stuff. So it kind of felt like, let's just do it. Let's just do it this year and play some shows when we get a chance. So I was, I was going to ask that, like how far back the kind of, you know, you put out to hell with this delicate equation back in uh, 2019, like where, where kind of in between then and now, like, did, did you start thinking, Hey, time for like another story change release? Like how far back are we, are we talking where it was kind of like new release time? Um, things got really thrown off because of the pandemic. And I'm sure that's what a lot of bands are saying these days, but, um, it's true. So 
uh, not to keep intermingling Hawthorne with it, but like my schedule with story kind of bounces around when we have time away from Hawthorne and Hawthorne Heights recorded uh, our newest record. The range just follows me. We didn't tell anyone we were recording, but we went in and recorded that um, in Dece- November and December, right the year, right before COVID. So we were on tour with newfound glory came home, had like two days off, flew out to California and we, we spent three weeks out there before the end of the year with Cameron Webb out of his studio and uh, recorded that whole record. Didn't tell anyone we were doing it. Had Christmas off. We came home. We went to Europe with Silverstein. Came home and it was like COVID hit like two weeks later. I, I distinctly remember we were starting to get mixes back for that record for us to check. And was when like, COVID was first becoming a thing and you're hearing like things might shut down. Um, so then obviously things did shut down. We had, we had not announced that record. So we decided let's just not say anything and wait until, you know, obviously we, we don't need to release it until we can tour on it. So I guess my point is going into the pandemic. Um, I had just kind of exhausted myself creatively writing for the Hawthorne record, like really buckling down with, JT and Matt and just and Poppy and really writing for that. So when the pandemic first hit, I was just not in a place mentally where I was wanting to write. And then on top of that, um, you know, like I said earlier, none of us knew how long it was going to be. So our thoughts were, you know, here in a couple months when everything opens up, we're going to release our record and go on tour. So my, my brain really wasn't on doing any new story changes stuff because I don't tend to do that until I know we're going to have a block of time kind of in between Hawthorne records to work on or to promote the story stuff. Um, and then the pandemic kept going. And at a certain point it was like, and I, my brain was just like fried on, you know, like most, most people that write or do creative writing or songwriting or anything probably know. I think it's similar with all of us. Like when you, when you finish a big project, you just need to like kind of restart. And it's like, you're just like, I don't want to write anything. And then I don't know where one day it's just like, and then you start writing a million things at once, you know? And uh, it kind of hit me a few months into the pandemic, like mid through that year um, and started writing a lot of songs for both bands and like ideas for both bands. Um, so at a certain point that year, uh, we were still in lockdown and I just started sending uh, Chris Papadak, our drummer, I started sending him a bunch of songs. I started sending them over to Chris Serafini that plays bass with us. And they were sending back great feedback and loving. And I just kept cranking out the songs. Um, and at a certain point, it was like, guys, we have like a record and a half's worth of songs here that we really like. And I don't really know when we can go into a studio. Things kind of started to reopen a little bit we weren't touring yet, but like things were comfortable enough where people were starting to go into the studio. You could go to the studio and wear a mask and work, you know? So we just decided since we didn't know how much time we were going to have, and we were still pretty busy doing like um, Hawthorne stuff during the pandemic, like live streams and stuff. So we decided for story that like, let's just pick three or four of our favorite of these songs so far to, rather than try to tackle them all and let's just go in this like go somewhere and record drums for for some of them and then just finish those songs and release them as singles was the plan 
Um, so I let them pick and they picked um, the stuff that ended up being on the CP. And we went in and tracked the drums and then we finished everything else at my house um, remotely, which was actually kind of fun because up until this point, anything that Chris Serafini's played bass with us on, he's coming to Dayton where I live and did it here in my studio. But because of COVID, he couldn't come in. So it was kind of a, a first time, like he tracked all of this stuff in Pittsburgh with a friend and we were just sending stuff remotely. And it was like super strange to work on songs that we had never worked on in a room together. You know, I would just send him ideas and he would send ideas back. Uh, but it was fun and a, a different way to do it for us. And um, it was cool. Kind of sparked some different ideas doing it that way. But um, so anyways, we we finished tracking those four songs, uh, sent them off to Jamie Wolford to mix. He mixed the EP. And then um, actually we tracked three songs and he mixed it. And then the plan was to release those three songs as singles. It was The Longest Year, Lost in a Mirror, and What We Leave Behind. And we finally... Things were busy and we didn't do it right away. And then we finally, like months later, released The Longest Year as a single. And then very shortly there, things kind of reopened and the Hawthorne record was coming out and we were busy. Um, so then fast forward, like almost a year later, because <laughs> we were we didn't want to release the other ones until we had time to really do some shows because we didn't really get to do a whole lot on The Longest Year. Um, fast forward about a year later, and we've been busy and I'd still been writing and we had like even more songs. And I was kind of like, dudes, we got to just put this stuff out. <laughs> Otherwise it's like, we're going to have more songs later and it's like not know what to put out. So we made the decision then just to put the EP out. And the, the kind of the, the line of thinking was that um, we just realized there's never going to, we were waiting for the perfect time to do it. And we realized that like, it's a good problem to have that we're so busy right now. Um, so there's never going to be a perfect time and let's just do it. Let's just put it out. So what we ended up doing originally, it was not planned to be an EP. We just were recording these songs. So we had the three that we really liked that one, we had already released lost in the mirror and then the other two. And then we had the last song on the EP. I don't think we've told anybody this, but the last song on the EP is called sirens and flashing lights. And that song was actually recorded for to hell with this delicate equation. And, oh, really? Yeah, we had, um, some extra songs that we just didn't have enough room on the record. So, and that was one of the extra songs. We thought that one actually fit really well with these three that kind of sounded in the same vein as the EP. So we just put it on there. It so. does, it does fit. Like, I mean, I, I would say yeah. you wouldn't know it like came from uh, the previous record. And I actually did have that like written down. I was going to ask you like, if any, uh, you know, like initial ideas you had on uh on equation had like came into this one on top of that song. I mean, had any other ideas, even if it wasn't like a full song, like any ideas you were working on, on that record end up on the songs on this EP. Um, actually, no, other than that. Um, and the only reason that song got left off of delicate equation, we, we really liked that song and it was a really hard choice to leave it off. Um, it was actually Serafini's like one of his favorite songs from the record that didn't, and oddly enough, didn't end up on the record. Uh, we just left it off um, when we were listening to that record as, uh, as like a cohesive unit, like all the songs together. It was a hard choice, but we're like, that song's really good, but it sounds a little different, you know? So we just kind of made the decision to leave behind um, that song and with the intent of releasing it later or something, you know? Um, 
we kind of always knew in the back of our heads we'd put it out on something, whether it was just a, like a Spotify single or on a seven inch or something, but it worked out great on this. But we, we actually had quite a few ideas left over from uh, Delicate Equation with the intent of exploring them more, but we just uh, had so many new ideas over the pandemic that we just kind of ran with it, you know, for this. So, I mean, you stay, you stay insanely busy with all of it. And I was wondering this too, like, you know, with having so much time to kind of sit with this EP and think of it, like you said, I mean, you know, you think you're going to release it, then more stuff happens. You think you're going to release it, then more stuff happens. Like with that much time to sit with it in you, in your head, like, you know, is, is there that that whole kind of maybe overthinking songs, even when they're done or going, man, we should have done this. We should add this or that. Or were you just so busy in between that it's like you're not even really looking back and thinking of those things at this point because you're on to the next thing, it sounds like. Yeah, kind of a little bit of both, oddly enough, because if you stop and think about it, like I'll always overthink it, especially we're doing nowadays. Um, we're recording we're having like people like Jamie mix it that are great that could do insanely better job than I could ever do. But we're, we're recording a lot of it here at my house. And the hardest thing about that is to know when it's done. <laughs> always more he can do to it. You know, um, we run into the same problem with Hawthorne. We haven't been doing our records here. We did do the lonely XV here. We recorded all that here during the pandemic, which is another reason why this EP got pushed because it was insanely busy doing that, you know, um, which is all good problems because it's like that stuff turned out so good. Um, but we do the same thing in Hawthorne. We, we also do like our pre-production demos here and we'll get down in a room and JT will have to tell me like, Don, stop adding guitar, stop adding ideas. And like, and I'll have to tell them stop adding vocal layers. Cause they'll want to try a million things, you know? Um, but it's fun. You know, it's like, if you have the means to try a bunch of stuff, why not? You know, like time's the only really downfall of it because it's like, we're just always so tied on time with everything with what we can kind of put our brain on. But um, yeah, that's the hardest part with story is knowing that when the record's finished, but having a collaborator like Jamie for the mixing is always great because he'll tell me straight up, like, you don't need that. Actually, I need to take a couple things away. You know, <laughs> like he's, he's like king of like less is more, you know? Oh, he's great. At, he's great. Uh, at he does the best melodies. He's like, if that melody is so good, you don't need anything else. You know? Like, he's oh, like, and I would listen. If somebody, if there's someone telling you that, I mean, if Jamie Wolford says, I'm like, I, I take a little extra. I go, okay, I'll, I'll listen to that guy. I think he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Jamie's awesome. He's a, uh, that new stereo record. So good. So oh I'm, my God. So, it, so it good. Warms my heart that they're doing that again. And like, it's awesome. <laughs> Doesn't it kill you? It took that long for like, like Rory and Jamie should be writing records together for the rest of their lives. There should be, right. the world needs records made by them together forever and ever and ever. That's, that's my I, opinion. I ever, actually had never met Rory oddly enough over the years until uh, they started doing stereo stuff again. And I can't believe it's been so long, but it's probably been like six or seven years ago. Now they played a festival, a stereo, the stereo played a one-off festival in Chicago. That was, I remember the one you're talking about. That was a yeah. long time ago. It was like a beer festival. And I, I was home from tour for like a week. And it coincided when that was going on. And Serafini had been, was already playing bass with us too at that point. He was like, you should come up. Um, so my wife and I went up and had a great time because we're massive face-to-face -face fans too. And it was like the stereo face-to-face. -face, and I forget who else, but it was somebody else we really wanted to see. Um, 
And we went up and had dinner with all of them. And as that was the first time I met Rory and he was a total sweetheart. He's an awesome dude. We like hit it off immediately. And like now, uh, I follow him and every time he posts some cool guitar he's building, I'm just like drooling in the comments. <laughs> on it. So he's a super sweet guy. I love that guy's guitars. Yeah, he uh, he yeah. can make a he can make a mean uh, parts caster. Which actually, speaking yeah. of which, I, I was going to ask you too. Like on the EP, I was like getting into like guitar rigs and stuff. I mean, what what were you playing on this? Were you basically just playing the same setup for all four songs? What was kind of what were you playing on these? And I guess the one would be different. Cause like you said, it came from yeah. uh, Delacote Equation uh, sessions. So on the the newer ones that were done during COVID. Um, Lost in a Mirror, What We Leave Behind, and The Longest Year, I was playing. I have a newer Gibson SG that I got right before COVID. Um, that I, It's like, uh, I call it the Cobain colors, like the Fender, the Daphne Blue with the red tort pickguard. I've never oh, seen it's I've gorgeous. Never a Gibson with that colorway, but uh, it's my favorite guitar colorway. Um, and I grew up playing SGs. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I saw it. It was like a Chicago music exchange kind of limited run thing that they did with Gibson. So I picked that up before COVID and uh, had our friends at Evertune put the Evertune bridge on it and um, been using that quite a bit live. So I used that a lot on those songs as well as this uh, Telecaster Deluxe. I've used, uh, I've been using live off and on for a while on, in our recordings. So I used those two guitars and a a Reverend Jetstream that I have for like the main rhythms on that. Um, and I believe the amp, um, I'm going to sound like a total noob, but I, can't, I don't know if it's diesel or diesel, but uh, it's the VH4, I believe is what the head's called. But uh, I used that for like those, those songs have a little bit of a heavier tone. And I'd never used that amp before until... Um, um, we did the Hawthorne record right before COVID. Cameron Webb had one. Uh, he had that in a Bogner that he had gotten from doing the Alkaline Trio record. And uh, I really liked both those and the the Diesel or Diesel, however you say it, uh, kind of really resonated for the heavy stuff. So um, I started using that for those. Uh, for Sirens and Flashing Lights, that would have been, like I said, off of To Hell With This Delicate Equation. On that record, I used... Um, uh a bogner kind of plug-in thing quite a bit and um some marshals and the guitars on that were kind of i had a bunch that i kind of bounced around my record but uh this tele definitely got used and i have a it's a company called framus that's made by warwick um that we we used for a long time live with hawthorne heights uh i have like a white framus called a panthera it's like a kind of a less it looks like a cross between a les paul and a paul reed smith but i use that on that and that that guitar has actually um become kind of a legend amongst us for the hawthorne record that's made its way onto like every it's been like one of the main guitars used on every hawthorne record since i've been involved over the last 12 years um because it's just like it's insane it stays in tune it sounds great um so we always just end up using that. We always try a bunch of guitars and then using that for the rhythm guitars. So yeah, going back to, I'm yeah. trying to remember is, uh, is JT's that, that one with the X inlays, is that a Framus? You know, yep. what I'm talking about? the ones that like lit up, 
was amazing looking. I know he played that live for a while. And that's a uh, that's a statement on our personalities, and I mean this in the best way towards him and me because we always kind of joke that like how we're both kind of wired the same but different. Um, we had a deal with Framus where we could go custom shop and get anything we wanted, and I got like this like it's like a it's like a vintage see-through kind of white finish with like with like block inlays that match sentimentally like my first guitar that, that matched the that and the binding i wanted and i went like guitar nerd on it and jt straight went like it lights up and flies <laughs> and stuff so, i'll never forget that guitar for as long as i live like i'll always remember that guitar x's on it i remember we used to play um one tour in europe right after we got those um it wasn't a silence anniversary tour but we were playing that song life on standby and it it's uh if anyone's listening and knows the bridge of that song it does the guitar riff and it goes wake up and then it kicks in in the middle of the song and i would play the riff he would turn around he, it wasn't on it but he would turn around and he would turn on the lights so the fret would lit up and it would like get me all excited right when the break yes <laughs> it would be like x up but uh super fun super fun memories i forgot he has that it's got a little switch and like the fretboard lights up oh i think i still remember seeing it for the first time i mean it was probably like a decade ago if not if yeah, not more a decade ago because we were oh, it was like the hate it was like the hate era i think he was playing that yeah we would have gotten those i came on board um around skeletons so we would have gotten them at the end of that which would have been the hate era was a direct re was a direct response to skeletons because the band was on like a massive label and had a hard time like getting anything done. So that's why it was like, screw that. We're putting out an EP on our, on our own and we're going to do it quickly and get it out, you know? So it was still, still one of my favorite, those EPs, still oh, yeah. favorite releases of your, of your guys. Also, I mean, like that's the other thing I was thinking about. And we probably talked about this last time you're on, like I've seen the band only once without you. Like you've, you've been in Hawthorne so long now, like, I almost feel like, and I don't know if you know this, if you've been in longer now than you weren't in, like in the band's existence, if you see what I I'm have. saying. I have. We've talked. It's something, oh, okay. this, we don't talk about this a lot, but it is something amongst ourselves we've talked about recently. Like, whoa. We've been doing <laughs> with each other for 12 years now. Wow. And um, at some point, well after I was in playing in the band, we were doing the silence tenure. So I don't know. So, you know, it's like we were just doing the math and I had like, and it was like, oh, I guess that means I've been playing in it longer than so it's very, it's very weird to think about like pop and Poppy's been playing drums with us for, I don't know exactly. He would be able to tell you better, but I probably eight years now, eight or nine years. So and then behind the scenes too, right? I mean, he was kind of working behind the scenes before that. Yeah. He was, he was managing us and just kind of coming and hanging out that it was so funny when I first started playing with Hawthorne. Um, I uh, I'd went out to we, we, they just taken story out on a, like a really cool long tour and we'd all broke down and were having a good time. And then shortly after um, and I was I was, you know, like the the one thing about Hawthorne is like for me that resonates like we're all tight. But like for me, like my friendships with, with JT over the years since then has kind of been like the center of it for me. Like me and him are really tight to this day. And uh, I mean, we all are, but um, uh, so we were hanging out quite a bit. And at a certain point, um, I know they were contemplating bringing another dude in 
which is something for a long time they weren't going to do, you know, after Casey passed. Um, and he, it was very weird timing because no one had really discussed it amongst each other's camps, but I story was still touring quite a bit back then. And I had had a discussion with, with Poppy, Chris, our drummer and both bands. Um, his son was reaching an age where it was like, he was like, I still want to do it. And I still want to tour, but I don't want to like tour as much. And I want to stay home more. So he, we just had that discussion at a rehearsal the night before. And I was like, dude, family first, always like totally get it. Like, so we had just decided that story was going to like, like not stop, but just take a little bit of a, a break from the road and slow down a little bit and be more selective about what we do and not tour as long. And literally the next day I was, I went out to lunch with JT and he was like, Hey, you know, we've been talking, we don't want to break up story changes, but would you consider coming out and playing guitar with us? So I was like, wow, this is weird timing because like, we're not going to tour as much. So like, but the funny thing is, it's like after a month of staying home, Poppy was just started coming out on tour with him. <laughs> and like, cause the schedule was in a way that he could go home and be home with his kid and then go back out. You know, um, I think he just, I think he was just like, well, I don't want to miss out on going on this tour. So that sounds fun. You know? Um, so he was always out tour managing us. So that's why when, um, when Aaron, our original drummer left, he actually left. I always tease him about this. He left the morning after my birthday, we were on a ferry from Dublin, Ireland, coming back into England. And we went out and it was our first time we'd ever play Ireland. And we went out celebrating my birthday. And then the next morning we're on a ferry and anyone that's ever taken those ferry rides knows that's like, there's just nowhere. You're just on it. There's nowhere to go. And we're all sitting there and he goes, Hey, I have something to tell you. I have to leave the band. <laughs> uh, he he had known he, he, it was a, it was something, a uh, a company he got offered to do with his father. Um, and, uh, to work on, and it was like, uh, receiving a grant to do it, but to do that, he had to like be home and we had a bunch of touring coming up. So it was, it was something he had just found out and was weighing on him. And he, he definitely just wanted to discuss it with us, but, um, and it was all in good terms and we were like totally cool with it. It was just funny. That it was like the morning after my birthday and like, <laughs> I'm hung over a couple of the other guys are hung over and we're just like, um, but there was no, there was no like discussion. Like there was no, who are we going to get? It was just like, we went to get coffee the next, next morning. And JT's like, call Poppy. <laughs> you know, like, so, so. I don't even think we, I think I asked him, but I don't think really we asked him. I think it was just like, Hey, Aaron's not doing this. Like instead of TMing, cause he, uh, that European tour, he wasn't on Poppy wasn't on that. So I actually had to, um, shows you how old I had to Skype him. I couldn't just call him on the card. <laughs> um but he's been with us ever since playing drums and that was really cool just because we had already as as Hawthorne Heights we had already toured with Poppy quite a bit with him just hanging out so we all knew that we could click and get along really well and then for me I had been playing with Poppy close to a decade at that point so wow. I could I knew I could click with him and I knew that he was really good at when I write something like putting a spin on it to make it cool, you know? So, so excuse me. So right out of the gate, when he came into Hawthorne, um, when we started writing the next thing with him, that would have been the hurt EP. It was pretty effortless, you know, like he was, he was already kind of like tuned into what we were doing. So that was cool. 
you know, I mean, I mean, also that because you've been playing with Poppy so long, you play with him in in two bands. He's kind of your, I feel like, drummer, like your go to drummer, or whatever. This dude you play with, like, for someone who's been playing as long as you have with him, I, I think he's such a great drummer. Like, what do you think are some of his strong suits? As the person who you write music with him, you play music all around the world with him for decades now. Like, what do you think are some of Poppy's strong suits? What makes him such a good drummer? Um, he listens to a lot more like hardcore and stuff than I do. I like heavy music, but Poppy listens to a lot like wider. Like I listen to a lot more, um, more rock stuff and he listens to a lot more hardcore and metal and stuff. So it helps. He's, he's pretty good about, um, like if I write something and I lay it out with like fake drums and kind of like, here's the idea in my head. Um, he's pretty good at being like, well, that's cool. But if this part's supposed to be heavy, this is this is how you should do it. You know what I mean? And like, it never, you know, he's just really good at kind of showing that different perspective. And like, he listens to, but he listens to everything from like Slayer to Taylor Swift. So he, <laughs> he does have range, very yeah, a lot of range with Poppy yeah. for, for you, you know, I mean, kind of getting into that songwriting part. And again, you, you do it obviously for both bands. Like, do you, I don't know, like, is it a different mindset or do you write any differently when you're approaching a song for Hawthorne versus story changes? And I guess on top of that, do you go in with that mindset or do you just kind of write and then figure out later on if it's a Hawthorne song or a story changes song? Like, how does that tend to work for you? Um, I tend to it's it used to be a lot more separated. But the one thing that remains the same is I tend to typically know eight times out of 10, I'll know when I sit down and once the idea is clicking what I'm writing for, or a lot of times too, it's just because time's like the one thing I never have enough of. So, um, when I sit down to work on story stuff, I'm just like that. I know like, Oh, I've got a little time and I want to do the story thing. I'll sit down and know I'm doing that. And for Hawthorne, um, I'll write for Hawthorne throughout the year, but a lot of times it's like, okay, there's a deadline coming up. We need to have x amount of songs for this thing coming out so then it's just like well i'll talk about it everybody work on some songs and then so i know that like it's almost like it's not a job but it's like you know when you clock in you know i'm there to work on this project so like um it gets a little more blurred because for me i work here in the studio at my house so i'll come down at night or on a weekend on my own time and just kind of work on some ideas um and then i got to kind of figure out what it's for but um Typically, it's not um, it's not really blurred. Uh, JT and I have like different voices, so a lot of times when I'm writing, I'll hear like, "Oh, this sounds like this would be really cool for JT's voice," or "This would be in something he'll like." And he's uh, because he's the singer in Hawthorne. No matter what we all bring in, if I bring in a song or if Matt brings in a song, like it's not going to work unless it clicks with JT on what to put over it. So, um, so a lot, I've gotten pretty good at knowing like, um, what's going to work for that and what's going to, you know, and then stories like for me at this point with the story changes, we love doing it. And it's, we always call it like spring break That's <laughs> because it's like, it's, it's, they're both so fun, but with story, there's no pressure. And Hawthorne, we never write with that pressure in mind, but there's also pressure of like, you want it to, you want to put your best foot forward on that. And so I feel like with story, I, I can take a little more risks and it's not going to be, you know, weird, but, um, I say that, but 
there's tons of stuff on the newer Hawthorne stuff where we're like, let's try to do something crazy here and like take a risk. But um, so with story, I'm not, I'm I'm kind of just like, oh, that works, and I know if I know when I'm gonna sing over it, it's my words, then I'll uh, I'll kind of use it for that. But there has been cases where like I've written a song for I've written a song specifically for the story changes, and then I've been like. Uh, like you know stories kind of lean towards putting some screaming and yelling and stuff in newer songs but before that it was like if i heard anything heavy on it i would just like push it kind of towards the hawthorne way so there's been a couple times where i've written a song um for the story changes and thought like i could hear jt singing this and it being cool and i could hear me like just screaming on the bridge and making it a breakdown um one song the, there's a song on bad frequencies off the Hawthorne record called the perfect way to fall apart that I wrote that as a story changes song. Like I wrote the whole thing. And, um, and I thought like, Oh, this could be, this could be kind of cool. And I could hear JT taking this to a different level, you know? Um, and I brought it to him and we sat down here in the studio and we actually, he was pretty instrumental in we made this song shorter it was it was a lot longer, which made it better. Like, look, I listened to the demo that's on the other day. It's so so much longer, um, but it turned out to be a great Hawthorne song. And it's you know, um, and then there's also an example of there's a couple songs that ended up on um, to hell with this delicate equation that I originally had written, thinking they might be Hawthorne stuff, and they just didn't click, you know, um, and then later on when i was working on delicate equation i was like well i didn't click for that but i think this might work for my voice and i kind of screwed around with it and made it into that you know so, so it's, it's not as overlapped as it could be but it, it's definitely by nature if it's my ideas and i'm specifically talking about the songs that are my ideas because like obviously jt writes a ton in hawthorne and matt writes as well so like it all gets kind of weird but as far as my ideas it's like it's pretty separated, but every now and then some stuff overlaps, you know. Do you, I mean, I know you just said, I mean, it's kind of like spring break with the story changes, but like when you, when you go in just cause you have been a band, I mean, now since the early two thousands, you have so many, you know, EPs and full lengths and stuff like, do you, and I'm, I'm sure you, every band does this with, you know, any band you're in long enough is like, like for writing, is there a defined kind of sound in your head of how the story changes should go? Like, do you, look back at past releases or do you try not doing that kind of stuff? Like do you not almost put parameters or go, this is what someone would probably think a story changes song sounds like, or this is how this should go. You know I mean? Do those things jump in your head when writing story changes songs? You try not to think about, you know, like past material. I try not to, it's always kind of there. And, and that applies to Hawthorne too. We just try to write, you know, and, and make it, by the nature of doing it, it'll be us, you know, by the nature of all of us putting our input into it. But um, for story, um, it, in the early days, I think it was in our heads more of what we were supposed to sound like. And then I think at a certain point, probably for me, being the main songwriter in that band, the story, at a certain point, when we weren't doing it as much because I was so busy with Hawthorne, when we came back to do it, I think I let it get like, I let that out of my head a little bit. We just started writing to write. And I think that's kind of why uh, to hell with this delicate equation around then that record in particular sounded a little more aggressive 
than the past story stuff. Um, so I think, I think it's always kind of there in our mind just because we do have a long list of releases over the years that we put out. But I, I think as a general rule, we try not to let it guide us. That being said, we're not going to put out like a ska record or anything. But like, God damn yeah. it. <laughs> but, uh, we, we try not to paint ourselves in a corner of what we can't can't or what we should or what we shouldn't do. But, um, but it's also hard because we've kind of like established kind of our band as what we are a little bit, you know? So I don't know. I feel like any band, I kind of ask that cause it's like, I don't care what your sound is. I mean, if you've been a band as long as you have, you know, you're gonna, I, I feel like something's gonna, obviously there are these things you can listen to, which people are again, either you're going to go, Oh, that's what they sound like, or this is what they sound like. Like you can't get away from it. Obviously if it's out there in the world and you can hear it, and it's called the story changes, you know? Yeah. Especially with streaming now, because it's all just kind of, it's in chronological order, but it isn't if they're just randomly suggested a song. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Depending what album you hear. Yeah. So that's kind of, we're always kind of bummed. We're like, Oh man, if somebody hears like our first record for the for our, the first time they hear us now, you know, but, uh, and also when you've been a band for that long, it's like the trends, you know, not that we've ever really been on top of all the trends or anything of uh but it's like when things change over the years it's like it's you know stuff's it's very easy for stuff to sound dated you know so weird but But, no i I would say going back to your catalog i don't i don't feel like you guys ever jumped on like an embarrassingly bad trend where you like listen back and go 2008 (laughs) was a was like a dark time for us or anything like that thank thank god Oh man. So, I mean, you know, as we, as we kind of start to like, you know, close this out, I mean, we, we've been talking about it. I mean, again, we have, we have those is for lovers fest coming up, which I mean also how long have those been in the work? I mean, that's a, that seems like a big undertaking. And I mean, you dudes are no strangers to booking. I mean, like we were talking about earlier story changes, you do your kind of like yearly winter thing. You know, I know, I know uh, Hawthorne has been doing Dayton is for lovers and different things throughout the year. So like, I feel like you're not totally new to it, but like, how long has this been in the making? How 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 long has this kind of been uh been putting to putting this all together? Well, with Hawthorne, we've been doing our, our annual hometown show uh, every year. It's called Dayton is for Lovers, like you said. We've been doing that for several years now, and we always really enjoy it. And we've always kind of for for a few years now, at least we've uh, excuse me, we've talked about um, how cool it would be to do something on a, a bigger scale. Um, so really within the last year, I mean, the, one of the reasons there's only like three of them this year is because it was just such a late start with COVID and everything. And, but it is something that, um, we've kicked around the idea of doing and, um, it's like anything else you like, Oh, this could be kind of cool. And you never really know until you one day it's kind of out there. And then our agent takes the ball and runs with it, you know, and like our agent Ben at uh, APA did a great job with like, really feeling it out and, and bringing it to the table. And, uh, and a lot of credit goes to, to JT and him for brainstorming on it early on. Like we all talked about it, but those dudes kind of like sent the feelers out to see if it could happen. And like, you know, it was like, Whoa, we're throwing a festival where the descendants are headlining. It's like one of my favorite band, you know, a band that's not typically going to play with our band, you know, like this yeah. genre. Um, it's pretty wild. And, uh, so we're, we're, we're very excited and we're we're stoked and um you know hopefully if these go well we'll be doing 
doing some more next year in some different spots too. So that's rad. And I also got to say, I was so excited for you guys when I saw descendants on there. Cause I know like collectively, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a band I've bonded over. I'm pretty sure the first time I ever met Poppy, he was wearing a descendants watch. And I think that's, that's like what I bonded over him the, the very first time meeting him. So yeah, Very he, cool. They're on. They're on there with you, dudes, because I know that band means a lot to like everyone in Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, and like, and that, like I said, just from us doing the emo screamo thing, like I, unless it's a festival, that's not really a band that's gonna like go out on tour with us. So this is a chance for us to finally like do something with them. And and they're sweethearts. Like I've met Stefan before, and like at festivals and talked guitar stuff. And he was actually pretty influential with me now playing. Uh, working with Black Star with Amps, he was the one that got me into that. And oh, nice, cool, cool dudes. And like another example is uh, uh, we have Laura Jane Grace playing, nice, the, the Kansas State, and uh, like we're all fans, but JT and I in particular are like, like pretty big against me fans. So and uh, to the point where we argue over what's the best record. We think <laughs> we're all great, but like we're just like that deep on it, and. Uh, you know, we're not the type of band nor should we be that against me is going to want to tour with, but this is a chance to like, Oh, we can, you know, play with her and, and hear a whole catalog of hits, you know? So, and and Thursday, someone... you know, we've never played with Thursday either, oddly enough. And they're playing it's insane. Yeah. So it's going to be great. I'm excited. It is going to be, I mean, those are, those are excellent shows. I will definitely, I'm figuring out if I'll be in the state or not, but I may be at that Ohio one. And if you're in the area for any of those, I mean, definitely, look those up as well as the upcoming shows you got those story you got the story uh of the year almost said story changes tour story of the year tour and uh all that so i mean lots of uh lots of seeing you live uh real quick we have uh and, then I, and i'll let you go here a couple quick um, ones i had some listener questions favorite cleveland memory if you have one bobby vaughn who you've toured with um promise hero and i believe yeah, you played yeah. there for a little while and a former guest of the show as well. He was wondering if you had any favorite Cleveland memories, Cleveland memories. Well, um, my wife is from Cleveland. So getting to spend time up there with her and her family is great. Um, music wise, my favorite Cleveland thing we've ever gotten to do is, uh, everything's thrown off because of COVID to feel how long ago it was, but it was maybe the year before COVID uh, we got to do, it was the year where Warp Tour did did the bonus year where they just did an East Coast Warp Tour, a West Coast Warp Tour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Show. yeah. And randomly they did one in Cleveland that was like not as many bands, but it was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, and, and they invited us up to play it and we got to play. They set up like a mini warp tour on the perimeter and we played, they built a warp tour stage right in front of the rock hall. And we got nice. so fun. And, um, um, you know, and like, it was like the whole warp crew was there hanging out. And then we got to do, we got to go through and do the rock and hall of fame tour with just like private tour with the bands and stuff. It was cool. It was awesome. So it's pretty sick. I must've not been living around here for that. I can't believe I wouldn't have went and saw Hawthorne Heights play rock and roll hall of fame i definitely don't think i was around here for that uh it was like it was the warp tour but it was like i forget what they called it it was like i know what you're talking about it was like the year or two after the last warp tour like after doing like the full summer tour it was like just a handful of shows yeah and that one in particular and like the east and west coast ones had like insane lineups um this one was like it was a really cool lineup but it, it was just one stage with not 
it was a very limited limited amount of bands, but it was a really diverse lineup. Like the Slackers played, which nice. I have, I haven't seen those guys in years. Like story one of the story changes first tours we got to do with the Slackers. Oh really? Yeah, it was cool. Um, and uh, I think Simple Plan played. Oh nice! Uh, it, was, it was cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good show, and uh, it was good to see Kevin and the Warp, you know, staff and crew and stuff and. It felt like kind of just more of a celebration. It was like normally when you see all those crew people, it's just stressed because they're all like <laughs> in the middle of like a month of warp tour, you know. And this everyone was just hanging out, so it was cool. Just enjoy it. Um, yeah. Another one I got, which is something I was going to ask you, um, Brian Ulster would like to know any upcoming story changes tour dates, and also did you like Obi One on Disney Plus? The twofer there for you. Twofer, classic twofer. Um, Nothing uh, that I can announce yet. I like my mind and hundred percent concentration is everything's on uh, all things Hawthorne Heights and is for lovers right now to prep for that. Um, and then we're like figuring out scheduling for the end of the year because we're doing the when we were young festivals with Hawthorne. And uh, so we're figuring some stuff out around that. And then we're doing Matt Cutshaw's uh, Emo's Not Dead cruise. And, um, figure so right now we're, there's a lot of like, uh, loose ends to tie up with scheduling for the end of the year with like how, what we're touring around, how we're getting out to where, but, um, we will definitely do something for the story changes before the end of the year and, um, likely won't be any sort of like hard touring, but, um, we'll be doing some shows and we're looking into maybe doing like a, a live stream to celebrate the EP. Oh, nice. Do like yeah. a virtual kind of like record release show. Yeah, yeah. Um, because part of it too's been, you know, with with Chris living in Pittsburgh, uh, with COVID, with COVID going on, it was a lot, you know, on top of all the Hawthorne scheduling, it was just like figuring out when to get him in. Um, but we'll do something. Uh second part, I actually really enjoyed the Obi One series. I thought it was great. I thought they did an awesome job. Um I'm uh you can't really see it from these angles, but there's like the studios got Star Wars crap everywhere. Oh, really? I'm a, yeah. My other dudes in my band tease me. They're like, grow up. But uh, <laughs> um, I, it, I, I like the Mandalorian. I thought Boba Fett, they did a pretty good job. There was some stuff that I wasn't real sure about, but overall, but I thought every aspect of Obi-Wan I loved. I thought, I thought it was ballsy that they touched the Darth Vader stuff and put him in it. Um, and that, that worried me when I heard they were going to do that. Like it's very easy to ruin an old, or like hurt an old character's like story arc, you know? Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was done really well. That was cool. So nice. I have, I have one more. I have no clue what this means or if you will, but I'll ask it. Cause I want to see if you know what it means. Right. Kevin, uh, his Kevin Ott asked, okay. will Brian ever actually get G60 and in parentheses, Mark will know what that means. If you know what that means, please answer. Cause I don't. I do know what that means. The answer is absolutely not. Um, no, I hope. I hope so. Uh, so during um, during COVID, one of the one of the things we did for fun, since we were home and had some extra time, is we did. Uh, we were offering like a lot of different different kind of experiences in the Hawthorne Web Store, and just trying to do more like fan interactive stuff to a like keep us engaged, but to be engaged with our fans. We had a great group of fans that supported our web store and really helped keep us afloat because as a professional band that makes their living going on tour and selling t-shirts at shows, like all of a sudden there's no shows. Um, so one of the things we did, uh, we were doing like a 
couple times a month or one time a month here and there, we were doing like bingo nights. And it oh, was nice. Like, you could get in and there was like prizes. And like, if you won, like, um, each of us have like all sorts of different Hawthorne memorabilia and stuff from over the years that we just had at our house. So we all like kind of like rounded up what we had and decided what would be cool. So I believe the guy that called in, Kevin, I believe he won one time. It was a, um, it was right when Blink, right before Blink released California, Hawthorne got tapped to do a short run of shows with them. It was like their first, first little run of shows with Matt. It was like Matt Skiba did Travis's tattoo festival. And then they had the tour with a day to remember coming up, but they had a short run in between that. Yes. I remember that. And we did some shows. Um, and I had uh, an extra one of the screen printed posters from one of the shows. So, um, so it was like Blink and Hawthorne Heights on this like massive screen printed nice. poster. Um, so, so that was an example of something like we signed it and you could play bingo with Hawthorne Heights on Zoom and we're going to announce the numbers. And uh, if you won, you could, you know, there's different prizes. And uh, Brian, unfortunately, didn't win. <laughs> and uh, if memory serves me correctly, G60 has become an inside joke amongst our fans. If memory serves me correctly, it was because he... G60 came up and he was like, bingo! And he was all excited. Oh, he <laughs> and, thought he won. and then Poppy went through and counts recounts the, the letters and uh, he... Brian like wrote down the wrong letter or some reason he didn't have the right letter. And I believe it was G6. He was the one he needed. So like it's become a myth of like, will he ever win? Cause he had, a, he had a pretty epic losing streak going on if I remember correctly. But, uh, but he's, he's an awesome dude. He's a really funny guy. He made, um, he made a really funny, a couple of really funny video clip things that he would like share, share on these things. Um, that are amazing, like movie trailer style, like jokes and stuff about our band. That was really cool that he took the time to do that. And it looked awesome. Um, and uh, him and that whole crew of people, uh, it just rules because it, it's like people that support our band that I would have, I would have saw at shows, but it wasn't until the pandemic when we had a chance to really do these kind of like live stream things and like one-on-one -on -one things with groups of smaller groups of people that like, I got a chance to kind of know these people and they're awesome, you know, and there's a whole community of them that like supported our band. And, uh, um, and I think it's awesome that we have all these inside jokes and that like someone can say G60 and this whole group of people on in this forum will like freak out and stuff. So it's, it's pretty rad. So that is, that is very rad. I'm happy. I'm happy. I asked. And now I'm uh now I'm privy to G60. So I do know what it means, but unfortunately I don't think he'll ever hit. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Damn. It hasn't happened by now, but he, I hope, I hope he, I guess the correct answer is just, I hope that's the he correct. Hopes. I hope. Oh, I love it. Mark, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. I always yep. enjoyed talking to you. Uh, where can we find fall asleep and turn to dust EP? Where can they, where can we find you online? Any of that stuff you want to plug away? Where do we find all this good stuff? So fall asleep and turn to dust. You can just go to the storychanges.com and there's links on there from there to go to Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Amazon, all the spots, or you can just search for it on there. Uh, it's just under the story changes. Uh, I'll spill the beans. Also, we're going to release two more songs on a split seven inch a little later this year. I just heard the, that the plans with the plant and everything's coming back. Uh, 
that some friends are involved with. Um, nice. So there will be some more of the story changes music. And then eventually we're sitting on about a, a record's worth of songs. It's just going to be timing. That probably won't be till a next year thing when we get time. Um, follow me. I'm on all the usual spots. Uh, I have a TikTok. I'm old and I'm on TikTok. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just Mark Hawthorne Heights. I try to do funny. I think it's funny. Um, it's it humors me and JT. Sometimes we laugh at each other on it. Um, so check that out. It's just Mark Hawthorne Heights. Uh, and then the usual stuff. Uh, Instagram and the story changes and Facebook, the story changes. And for all your Hawthorne Heights related needs, just go to hawthorneheights.com. Uh, there's links there to all the tour dates as well as the is for lovers festivals. The is for lovers festival.com has specifics on each show and some cool VIP stuff that we just launched for each. So like we're trying to go all out where there's a limited number of VIPs that include, you can get coffee with the band the morning of the show, like before, entry and we'll walk you around and show you the festival grounds. And then uh, there's like each city's slightly different because of the venue policies, but um, all of them include the coffee and that. And then some of them, there's like stuff like a private viewing area, private VIP bathroom, private VIP bar, which um, if you've ever been to a big festival, having a private VIP bathroom and a bar, a bar with no weights is as, as you get older, that's, that's VIP. So. That's the most stuff you want. The you, yeah. yeah, you're not you're not lying. After a couple hours of a festival, you might be wishing you had that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, and they come with like a limited edition poster and, and uh, festival water bottle and things like that, and like a map of the grounds to kind of see where everything is. But that's cool. It's worth checking out. So that's just for loversfestival com. Very rad. Very rad. I mean, again, every time I talk to you, you're busy with uh, both mans. You juggle it all. But uh, we're going to play now uh, some songs off Fall Asleep and Turn to Dust. If you're listening to the radio show, I'll play you all four songs. Uh, we'll play a couple songs on the podcast here. Either way, whichever one you're listening to, we'll kick it off with Lost in a Mirror right here on the Power Chord Hour.